0: introduce us as a church to the discipleship pathway that we are implementing and using here at Redemption. And what I mean by discipleship pathway is, I like to use the example of human development. As in human development, there are expected stages of growth and maturity that are marked with significant milestones that allow us to see if a human being, a child is developing into a mature, into mature adulthood. And the that process of human development can involve physical growth, mental growth, emotional, social growth. It's can be sort of a holistic, all-encompassing process. And we know that if if a human being um, gets to a specific stage of Of human development and fails to advance into the next stage of maturity we know there's a problem that means something's wrong it's a natural process that should take place all the way into maturity something similar can be said of our spiritual development we we develop spiritually in somewhat predictable stages or steps with specific milestones that let us know spiritual growth is continuing to happen. And so to, to attempt to put that into an image, uh, we developed this thing we call the discipleship pathway that is meant to capture some of the main significant stages of spiritual growth. And so you'll see some slides. I want to go through these slides. I went through these uh, last week. The first one simply is going to show you the four stages of spiritual growth and development that we're working from. We all, we all begin as what we've called here, seekers. Now, a lot of this gets into semantics. You might say, well, that's not what I would, that's not the word I would use or whatever. And we went round and round on what would be the best word to use. And we settled on seeker. A seeker is somebody who has not yet responded to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. They have not had their sins forgiven. They've not received the gift of eternal life. They're somebody who is not yet, as the Bible describes it, born again, a non-believer, if you will. A believer would be the next stage of spiritual growth into maturity, which is somebody who has now responded to the gospel. They believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that by faith in him they can have eternal life. Believer is, is, is the stage that Christians most often get stuck in. We've, I think, culturally embraced a, a, um, a, a false gospel that says all there really is to the Christian life is trust in Jesus and then live life however you want to live it and someday you get to go to heaven. And that's the gospel message that we've accepted as a culture. And for that reason, people stay in this stage of spiritual immaturity that we're calling here believer. Now, that being said... The transition from being a seeker to a believer is a big one. It's enormous. The the impact of going from somebody who has not responded to the gospel to somebody who has responded to the gospel, Scripture defines that as going from death to life. Scripture describes that as being born again. And so this is a significant step. However, we know that we're not supposed to stay one way of thinking of this is spiritual infants. An infant has been born. That is a significant step. But we all expect that infants will go on, go on to become toddlers, to become children, to become tweens and teens and all of these things into maturity. That's the goal, right? Same is true spiritually. We don't want to stay at a significant yet immature stage of spiritual growth and so the hope is that believers will become followers followers don't just believe they begin to obey the commands of scripture they begin to do the things that jesus taught us to do and mature followers we describe as disciples now like we said last week every believer is really a disciple every believer should be a follower but if we could kind of use these terms to describe and to identify stages of growth and spiritual maturity it might be helpful for us to identify where we're at. So those are the four main stages. Now what we've added to this graphic is two other circles. The next circle identifies a characteristic that, that we see to, to generally be true of people who are in any one of those stages. And some of this gets hard to see on the screen depending on where you're at. Again, this is online. We're going to make this available many times in many ways so that you can see it and be familiar with it. But seekers are generally characterized by curiosity. They've not yet responded to the gospel, but everybody in a sense is a seeker. Everybody, Everybody wants to experience life. Everybody wants to know that their life has purpose and meaning. They may not agree that that purpose or meaning is related to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And they may not even be actively thinking about it, but ultimately, Everybody wants to know that life has meaning. Believers are marked by faith. They are people who have believed in the gospel. Followers are marked by commitment. The difference between a believer and a follower is that a a follower expresses commitment to the gospel. And finally, disciples are marked by the characteristic of sacrifice. They understand that the Christian life is best experienced when we see our lives as an opportunity to serve God and to serve others. Then there's this inner circle. And so if the outer circle is characteristics that define each stage, the inner circle are action steps that help us advance from one stage of spiritual growth to the next. Just like for a teenager, getting your driver's license is a huge milestone. Or graduating from high school or graduating from college. These are big milestones Getting married, getting your first job, these are things that mark that we're advancing in maturity, at least in some areas. And so these action steps have formed the basis of this sermon series. This is where I'm going with this. Why am I explaining all this to you? Because this is the basis of our sermon series. Week one of this sermon series was all about responding to the gospel. In order for a seeker to become a believer, they have to respond to the message of the gospel. In order for a believer to become a follower, they must begin to obey the things that Jesus commanded us to do, first and foremost, to be baptized. Now, what we're going to talk about today is what it means to grow as a follower into a mature disciple, and the key step, the key action point of somebody that wants to take that step is what we've said here as take initiative. In fact, the... the The sermon this week will be titled, Take Initiative, the Call to Grow. And then next week, we're going to look at the key action that disciples are called to make, which is to reproduce. Ultimately, we want disciples who make disciples. Not we, this is ultimately God wants us to become disciples who make disciples. And so that's where we're going. But today, we want to talk about take initiative. And what we want this whole discipleship pathway thing to be is is I like to compare it to a mirror. We want this to be a mirror that you can hold up because we understand that spiritual growth doesn't always happen in this neat sort of linear fashion. Like you do this and then this happens and you do this and then that happens. Sometimes we we can say, well, you know, parts of my life, I feel like I'm living as a disciple and then other parts of my life, not so much. And so the goal of the discipleship pathway is not only to help you keep advancing from stage to stage, if you want to think of it that way, not only to to help you continue to grow as disciples, but to maybe even shed some light on some holes in your discipleship. Because we all have them. We all have steps that we sort of skipped or things that we haven't really applied to our lives. We all have areas where we We say, you know what, I probably should have dealt with this a long time ago, but now that I know it's there, I want to do something about it. And so part of this sermon series is at the end, if you want, there's an assessment that you can take that kind of identifies key things in each of these stages and will help you see, am I doing this? Have I adopted this as part of my Christian lifestyle, so on and so forth. And we hope that that will sort of serve as a mirror to help you see what is and then identify areas where you can grow as a follower of Christ. Okay, so I hope that's helpful. I needed to, I, I know I said a lot of that last week, um, but I also know that that sometimes if you're anything like me, just because you heard it last week doesn't mean you remember it. <laughs> and just because you heard it last week doesn't mean it makes sense, but hopefully through repetition and through Focusing on this together, we'll all grow and understand this process that we're seeking to enter into. All right, so let's look at today's text. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Second Peter. Second Peter is one of the last books in the New Testament. So Second Peter chapter one, and I'm going to start in verse three. I'll read the text and then we'll we'll pause and pray together as we look at the message for today. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Peter says this, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge Of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Would you pray with me? As we consider this text, Father, we come humbly asking that your word, which which you describe as living and active, would prove to be so this morning. May it cut to our hearts to our souls, to our that the very essence of our beings that we we might be connected to you in a significant way here this morning, as Peter says that we have this opportunity to share in your divine goodness. May we experience that here today. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, minds that understand your word so that we might grow, so that we might not be spiritually stagnant, but that we would be propelled forward to growth, to be the people that you created us to be. For your glory and for our good, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to encourage us with three things related to spiritual growth in this passage. If, if, if the command is to grow spiritually, what encouragement do we have here? Or, or what knowledge can we gain from, from this passage that would help us? If you have the handout, you can flip it over to the back. There's a place to fill in some blanks, take some notes. I, I was told we ran out of handouts, so if you came in, uh, this morning and didn't receive a handout. We apologize. We will make sure we print more next week. The first thing about spiritual growth that I want us to think about is simply that we have everything we need to grow. The question arises, What? Do we, how do we grow spiritually? I know that if I, that if I want... To help children grow physically, I know that there's certain things that they need. They need to receive a proper uh, amount of nutrition. They need to uh, have any, any limiting factors of physical growth removed from their lives. They, they need certain things to help them grow physically. Fortunately, that's, that's the easy part. As a guy who grew up on chicken nuggets and Kool-Aid, It's not too hard to get nutrition. I did quite well. (laughs) But what do we need spiritually? If we're going to grow, how do we grow spiritually? Well, the good news is Peter says we have everything we need. Specifically, he says in verse 3, he says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Sometimes we overcomplicate spiritual growth. We think that we need to go on some sort of spiritual journey. We're going to take a retreat. We're going to get alone. We're going we're to go and hike the mountains or something to connect with God. And we act as if what we need for spiritual growth is somewhere out there that's hard to get a hold of. Well, the Bible is clear. We have what we need. We have what we need in, in several capacities here. There, there are things that, that come to mind. I'll touch on those in a minute. But he says, and he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, By these he has given us, a very, he has given us very great and precious promises. You have great and precious promises. You have all that you need for spiritual growth so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. I know there's a lot of things you don't have. We often fixate on the things that we don't have. I don't have enough money for this, or I don't have enough time for that. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Here's the good news. When it comes to spiritual growth, you have everything you need. You have everything you need. And Peter, Peter describes it as everything required for life and godliness. How am I gonna get everything I need to live a life that pleases God? How am I gonna get everything that I need to live the life that God created me to live? You already have it. It's accessible to everyone. Regardless of where you live, regardless of anything like ethnicity or social economic status or level of education, it doesn't matter. you have all that you need. He has given us not only great and precious promises but he has given us the ability uh, this is this is interesting the way peter says this it's it's not it's not the language we we normally use, I think as Christians, but he says so that you may share in the divine nature." We have, we have the resources to have a very real and a, a, a very meaningful relationship with and connection to the God who created us. You can know Him. You can walk with Him. You can experience Him in your life. This is good news. This is good news. Isn't this, isn't this better than so many of the things that the world pursues? We, we want status. We want wealth. We want to be independent. We want all of these things. There's, the world is obsessed with atta- attaining things that are hard to attain. And yet, here we are. We have everything we need for life and godliness, we have everything we need to know our Creator. To have a relationship with him. I was watching a little bit of football yesterday and um Baltimore was playing and that means the Harbaughs were in the spot. Did somebody say ooh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. But that puts the Harbaughs in the spotlight. If you don't know the Harbaughs, they're they're two brothers who who coach um the the one brother and I never I I never I think I Jim is the one at Michigan, right? And John is the one at Baltimore. Anybody confirm that? Okay, thank you. Um, sometimes I, I, never, I don't remember. So John coaches the Baltimore Ravens. He's won a Super Bowl as a coach. Jim coaches. <laughs> you have to stop saying ooh every time I say Baltimore Ravens or this sermon's going to take all day. <laughs> Um, where was I? Jim coaches, the the University of Michigan, they just won a national championship. Yeah, kind of a storied family. And anyhow, there was this story. They were telling the story of these two brothers growing up with their dad who was a football coach and some of the things that he instilled in them. And there was this kind of unique story about how when they were kids and they were in a car that didn't have heat or something in it, and the kids were complaining, and the dad just turned to them and said, Who has it better than we do? And then the kids just paused, confused, and he said, nobody. And then both of these these grown men now have kind of latched onto it, and they've taken that to their teams, and it's become a motto for their teams. Who has it better than we do? Nobody. Nobody. Christian, can you see that you have everything you need in life in Jesus Christ? Can you see that nobody has it better than you? There are people with enormous wealth, enormous success, enormous whatever it is that you desire, and they don't have it any better than you. We have all we need. What is it that we have that we need? Let me give you a few things that that came to my mind as I was thinking about this passage this week. One, we have a new heart. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus, when we're born again, we're given a new heart. Metaphorically, uh, the organ stays inside your body, okay? Metaphorically, you're given a new heart. And oftentimes in Scripture, your heart um, represents like your inner desires and your tendencies. And the heart that we had before coming to Christ is described as a heart of stone. It's ineffective. It doesn't work and we're given a heart of flesh. We're given a new heart. The Bible tells us that our mind is also being renewed. As we grow in in, in the knowledge of Scripture and as we grow in the knowledge of our faith, our mind is being renewed. So we have a new heart. We have a, a being made new mind. We have the Holy Spirit. God sends his spirit to indwell his children. We have the word of God, the eternal truth that God has delivered to his creation through the word of God. And then here's one Here's one we, we don't emphasize enough. I think we have the church, we have each other. We have a body of believers who we get to connect to for the sake of encouraging each other, challenging each other, helping each other grow, building each other up. We have the church and sometimes we downplay the importance of the church and we treat it as sort of expendable, you know? Yeah, I, I, get, a, I get a church sometimes, or, you know, we, we don't commit to a local specific church, we just kind of bounce around and we're missing out on one of the greatest resources that we have to grow spiritually. God has organized his body, he's organized the church in a way that, that it's good for our growth. Greg was right, it was a big day at Redemption Church because we installed more elders. We installed qualified men, according to scripture, who are giving their lives for the gospel to lead within the church. The church is important. It's important that we commit to the church. It doesn't have to be this one. That's the cool thing about churches. You know, in, in most of human history and in the early church times that we read about in the New Testament, there was just one church in a town. And there were advantages to, I think there's, I, I think about this sometimes, there's pros and cons, I guess, either, either way. Uh, but, but the cool thing about where you live, you have your choice. Find one you like. Find one that, that helps you grow, ultimately, find one that helps you grow spiritually. One where you can serve and offer the gifts and talents and the abilities that you have. And one where you're challenged to go deeper in your relationship with Christ. We have everything we need. God has graciously given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's the first thing. The second thing regarding growth is, you'll see this on the handout, we have a calling to grow. You may wanna wanna call it a command. We have a command to grow. We we, We not just have the resources necessary for growth, but we're actually called and commanded to grow. It's not supposed to be something optional. It's not supposed to be something that, yeah, I'll grow if I want to. No, you, we're, we're actually commanded to do this. Verse 5 in our passage says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Let me just pause right there. Faith, remember, faith is what takes you or, or, or believing... Faith or believing is what takes you from death to life. It's the thing that, that causes you to enter into a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Your faith or your belief in what he has done, that he really died and was buried and resurrected and that he did this so that you can have your sins forgiven and have eternal life. That's a big one. <laughs> You have to have faith. Was that a George Michael song or something? You got to have faith? or who was that? I don't know. This, that song's going to be in my head. The rest of the day. I won't sing it for you. Um, this is a big one. But for too many, too many of us as Christians, we stop there and we act like this is the only thing nece- this is the only thing important in the life of a Christian listen to what Peter says. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, that's quite a list. In fact, I I would encourage you, listen, if you're like me, you read a list like that, and you're like, okay, those are all just good things. I would encourage you to to bookmark this passage this week and and make some sort of plan like this. Every morning when you get up, before you go about your day, open to this passage, go to, to um, oh, where are we at? What's this passage? Second Peter 1. <laughs> and look at verses 5, 6, and 7. And I'd say, I think, I don't know how many are here. There's, there's probably about seven or eight of these supplements that we are required to have here and just take one each day do that for the next week and you know you have faith great what does it look like to add goodness to your faith okay you have faith and goodness what does it look like to add knowledge you have all of those things plus knowledge well do you have self-control and and just and you're not going to master those in one day but it it will help you think about what the Christian life is meant to be. We're we are called to grow in these areas. And the reality is, is we all have like one or two of these that we're naturally drawn towards. Some people love knowledge and so they love to study and they love to read and learn new things, but they don't like it when their attaining of knowledge is interrupted by somebody close to them has a need. That would be brotherly affection to go and to care for somebody close to you. And, and, and so they prefer knowledge and they get irritated when they're asked to show brotherly affection. Or some people really pride themselves in their self-control. They don't cuss, they don't drink, they don't do things that other people don't seem to be able to, but but that's where they pride themselves. Okay. Do they have knowledge? Do they have love? All of us can probably identify some places we kind of like to hang out and camp out. Peter says, you need all of these to grow into maturity isn't just to do the things that you're naturally drawn towards doing. It's to add to them. And he says to, he says, to make every effort. Have you made every effort to grow in these ways? Have you made every effort to become spiritually mature? I haven't, but we're called to. We have a calling to grow. We are commanded to grow. Thirdly, not only do we have everything we need to grow, not only do we have a calling to grow, we have great promises if we do grow. I love the way Peter thinks because he recognizes the, the call to growth is a challenging one. And so he, he is, inspi- I think, inspired by the Holy Spirit, throws in some promises. Here's some rewards. Here's some things you'll gain as you grow spiritually. Why do we want to, to, to establish a, a tool that will help you grow spiritually? In part, it's not just because we're supposed to, but in part because we want to experience the rewards of spiritual growth. Let's look at verse eight together. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, he's referring to that list we just looked at. They will keep you from, (laughs) this is wild what he says here, they'll keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the implication there? The implication is that it's possible to be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you think about our discipleship pathway, I would say that's somebody who's a believer. They believe what they've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. What Peter's saying is it's possible to believe and be useless or unfruitful. Let that sting a little bit. Is In your your relationship with Jesus Christ, not only do I want to ask the question, have you believed? But has your belief led to usefulness and fruitfulness? In other words, are you a believer who's, well, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) It sounds unkind. But Peter's, pretty clear here that it's possible to be useless and unfruitful. He goes on to say in verse 9, he says, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. I think what he's saying here is that the, the, the believer who gets stuck in that spiritually immature stage of I've responded to the gospel, but I've not continued on in my spiritual growth I have not continued to develop these characteristics that are to define followers and disciples of, of Jesus Christ. He, Peter's saying the problem is you're not remembering the gospel. The reason that you think it's okay to remain spiritually immature is because you do not grasp the power of the gospel. You, if, if, we are, if we believe the gospel and we remember the gospel, then that puts spiritual growth into the proper perspective. Let me say it this way. If it's true, and I believe that it is, and every believer believes it is, if it's true that the sinless Son of God came from heaven to live the life that you and I have repeatedly failed to live. We don't do the things that we're supposed to do. We don't, do, we don't obey God. But Jesus did. If it's true that he came and he he humbled himself to live life with the limitations that you and I experience as human beings in order that he might then go to the cross and die not for sins that he has committed, but to die for the sins that you and I have so arrogantly committed against our creator, and he allowed himself to be punished physically. He allowed himself to be mocked, to be spat upon. He allowed himself to suffer and to die in your place. And then, not willing to accept. Anything short of eternal life for you and I, he rose from the grave on the third day to conquer both sin and death. If you believe that is true, but you refuse to respond to the call to grow spiritually, do you see how inconsistent that is? you're saying, I believe that Jesus came and he lived for me and he died for me and he took away my sins. He took my punishment on the cross so that I wouldn't have to suffer in that way so that I don't have to be eternally separated from God so that I can have, instead of what my sins deserve, I get to receive what Jesus's righteousness receives, eternal life. It, I have this incredible gift of salvation and I'm called to grow spiritually But, and then anything we say after but is just going to sound like a ridiculous excuse. I believe Jesus died for me and gave me eternal life and caused me to grow spiritually. But my kids are like really into soccer right now. (laughs) I believe that Jesus lived the perfect life in my place, that he takes away my sins, and he gives me eternal life with him forever, but I don't have enough money to serve God right now. But, do you? I mean, anything you say after but is such a pathetic excuse for not growing spiritually, and yet we all do it. We all do it in the danger. The danger that Peter is warning us of here is if we continue in that mindset, we will indeed be useless and unfruitful in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be that, and I don't want you to be that. I would much rather we be useful and fruitful and that we would not be blind and short-sighted because that's what all of those excuses are. Is saying that there's something else in this world that's more important than living for Jesus' eternal kingdom. And look, there's a lot of things we have to do. I'm not saying take your kids out of soccer, but take your Bible to practice. Spend some time with the Lord. Use that as an opportunity to speak to some of the people. You, take the life that you are living. And yes, for many of us, there are things we might need to remove to create space to follow Jesus. Both are true. <laughs> But I'm not saying you need to stop doing everything else, but do everything else as a a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do everything else as a Christian ought to. Take the gospel and apply it to the rest of your life. How does taking my kid to soccer practice serve the needs of the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ? I assure you that you can work that out. You can find a way to serve Jesus. You can find a way to go to your job and work and do the things that you have to do to put food on the table and to pay the bills and serve Jesus at the same time. That's, that's what it looks like to grow in, into maturity in Christ. But Peter gives us these promises. Let me, let me read the rest of the passage. Then I'll give you three promises and I'll do so quickly. I think we're in verse 10. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. I see three promises here for those who grow spiritually. One, growth makes us useful and fruitful. You not only have everything you need to grow spiritually, but in the process... You will become useful and fruitful in god's eternal kingdom. What you do with your life for Christ will last forever. We spend so much time doing so many things that don't last ten minutes <laughs> laundry <laughs> dishes I mean I don't do those things, but um, I live with somebody who does i don't I don't want to get corrected later. Like you made it sound like you help out around here. (laughs) There's so many things we have to, I do do, I do mow the grass and, and I love, I love mowing the grass because since you're done, you're like, look, look what I did. (laughs) And then the next day it's grown back (laughs) and we have to do all those things. And I'm not suggesting we stop doing those things. But isn't it amazing to know that when we serve Jesus, when we make our lives about the kingdom, those things have an eternal reward. They last forever. Growth makes us useful and fruitful. Secondly, growth growth confirms our salvation and keeps us from stumbling. I'll just read verse 10 again. It says, therefore brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Growth shows that we have truly been born again. We all know people who at some point in their life responded to the gospel, but then that was it. And, and we all wrestle with, well, I don't really know where they're at spiritually. I, I know they responded to the gospel, but I don't see any growth. And we, it's because we, we have this expectation, this natural expectation that just like we expect when a baby is born, that he or she's going to grow, we expect spiritual babies who are born to grow into maturity. And so growth, it confirms our salvation. If you see a growing Christian, one thing you know about them, they're a Christian. <laughs> they're 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 showing, they're confirming that what they profess has happened has truly happened. Growth makes us useful and fruitful. Growth confirms our salvation. Thirdly, growth ensures our place in the kingdom. This is a tricky one here. I want to try to walk this line carefully because I'm not saying we enter into Christ's kingdom by our effort or works or spiritual growth. We come into that by grace alone. We come into that by, by the grace that is in the gospel. But Peter says this, he says, for in this way, this is at the end of his passage, verse 11, after all these things he said to do, in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Growth is the continuing pathway that leads us all the way home into Christ's eternal kingdom. We, this idea that, Becoming saved, becoming a Christian is a, an event that takes place and then you just, you just keep holding on to that belief and that hope and then someday you get beamed up into heaven is <laughs> not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to grow and we're supposed to continue, or we're, supposed to, we're supposed to have faith and be born again and then continue to grow all the way. It's, it's supposed to be one continual process. We just take that pathway of spiritual growth right into God's eternal kingdom. So I say all of this to ask this question. You'll see it at the bottom of the handout. It's, like, it's written as two questions, but it's really one. What about you? Will you take the initiative to grow? The difference at this stage of spiritual maturity is that someone who has believed the gospel now begins to obey Christ's commands and they take the initiative to grow spiritually. If we want to compare this to human development, you learn how to cook. You learn how to work and earn money. You, 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 you learn the important correlation between action and results, and that is, that is what happens spiritually. We begin to do what grace has enabled us to do. We take up the word and read. We get plugged into the body. We start to take initiative for our own spiritual growth. We say, I don't want to just be a spiritual infant. I want to become spiritually mature. So what about you? Will you take the initiative to grow? Would you pray with me as we consider this together? Father, help us to continue in the grace that saved us by applying the truth of your word to our lives. Help us to take action to take initiative for our own spiritual growth. Many times we, we sit idly by hoping it just happens, <laughs> hoping that you'll just zap us with some spiritual growth and, and make us more like you. And today we acknowledge you expect us to take initiative. You expect us to respond to the commands of Christ in Scripture to be people of the word, to be people who are committed to the body, to be people who are being renewed in their minds and living out of their new hearts, to be people who are walking in the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that this, I pray that 2024 would be just a year of tremendous spiritual growth for the people here at Redemption Church. Help us to do the things that will ensure that at the end of this year, we'll look back and say, wow, Thank you, Jesus, for making me more like you. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen.